0: Let's give Kat a round of applause, shall we? Go for it, Kat. Thank you. Good evening, everybody. Thanks. Evening, Joe. <laughs> so we are going to be continuing our um, series on, on Philippians. So Philippians 4, end of, end of Philippians. Um, and we're looking at the story of prayer. So together, we're just going to read Philippians. If you haven't got your Bible, you can read it on there, but I'm going to read it out of my Bible here. I think it's the same version. Okay, Philippians 4, verse 4. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. Let everybody see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. And then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything um, anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and praiseworthy and keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me, everything you have heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Okay. So I did consider for a brief... Time, just like reading that over and over and over again and then that just being the talk because I find that so challenging what I love about Philippians is in Philippians I feel like everything is really accessible and everything is really doable but it's also like the biggest challenge it's like the biggest challenge if I if I aim to do this every day of my life for the rest of my life every day would still be a challenge every day I'd still have room to grow so what what I've done is just picked out a few a few points that I just kind of want to um just highlight tonight. So rejoice in the Lord always. So so joy. That's what we're going to start with. And in every situation with prayer and petition um give with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving um, and think about such things think about the good things and put it all into practice so there are kind of um, four points tonight, choose joy say thanks, think on good and then practice it so if you're going to switch off, you can switch off now. That's the main points of the talk, okay? But this is, I found it, it's, it's going to be quite cyclical because it's all joy and thanks and thinking on good all interweaves into each other. So I'm going, to, I'm going to do it one at a time, but I just, when I was like planning this talk, I was just getting myself in knots because I was like, oh, but that feeds into this and this feeds into that. It's all part and parcel of, of the um, same thing. So let's start with choosing joy. So in different translations, it was celebrate, be cheerful, be glad, rejoice, joyful, revel. All of these are different words for choosing joy. And when I think about the word joy, because joy is a feeling, because it's an emotion, when it's saying be joyful always, in my kind of head, I picture it as some kind of big water bomb just coming from heaven and just hitting me on the head. And then that's it, I'll be full of joy. I'm like a complete passive participant in that, that I am um, just going to be filled with joy. And we know that joy is um, a gift of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians, it tells us that joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit that we can expect to experience in our lives. But when I look at the other fruits of the Holy Spirit, and when I see their self-control, I believe that I can receive self-control from God, but I also believe that I have to put it I have to put disciplines into practice. I have to recognise which areas I find tempting and what I need to do. What strategies do I need to put into place? What things do I need to do to guard myself? What structures do I need to put in place? And and with with, um, self-control, I'm not um, passive in that. That's something I have to fight for. So why would I think that with joy, I'm completely passive in it? Joy is something that I have to fight for. Joy is something that I have to put disciplines in place to ensure that the fruit of the Spirit is going to work through me. Yes, it's a gift, but it's also something that we have to be um, proactive with. The emotional cycle, um, all of our emotions are, come from our thoughts, and all of our kind of thoughts come from our emotions. Every thought that we have evokes a physical response in our body. I teach this when I teach birthing classes. We teach about focusing your your thoughts on what you want um, your body to respond to. Does that make sense so if you 're fearful. My my body is going to be uptight. My muscles are going to be clenched. I'm going to um, be working against what is, what is natural in my body. But if I'm relaxed, I'm going to be working with what's natural in my body. So it's the same with, with, all, with all aspects. The emotional cycle, our thoughts, feed into our feelings and our sensations and what we experience in our body. And what we experience in our body feeds into our thoughts. It goes round and round and round. Um, so... When we're thinking about joy, we need to be thinking about what, what are our thoughts doing. We need to be thinking about what, what we experience in our, in our body. And we need to li- be listening to those cues and responding to those cues. So in day-to-day, if you're feeling something that isn't joy... We need to just pause and think, right, I need to name this feeling. I need to name this emotion, name it, and then think about where where is that feeling coming from? Where is that thought coming from? And the reverse, when I'm thinking things, I need to think, what f- impact is this having on my body? What, how am I feeling in response to what's going on in my head? It's a cycle. We need to become more aware of, of this cycle, and, um, and this feeds into saying thanks. So it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. When we give thanks, it focuses our mind on God. And actually, gratitude is the perfect antidote for worry. When The word worry, apparently, I learned this the other day, is derived from the Anglo-Saxon word to choke or to strangle. And isn't that so true that when we're worried, it is all consuming. It is all that you can think about. It's all that goes round. It cho- not only chokes the joy out of you, but it chokes so many other things out of us. It just—it stops us from um, doing what, what, we were, what we need to do, what we, what we are designed to do. So when we are worrying, what we need to do is pause and give thanks. When I um, was a newly qualified midwife many years ago now, um, I was absolutely petrified. The transition from going from a student to a qualified midwife, I felt humongous... Pressure. I felt humongous stress. I thought, I, yeah, I don't know what I thought. I was, I was very, very worried and very scared. And Sam will tell you that every morning when I was going into a shift, I would wake up crying. I would wake up absolutely petrified. And what I would do is, I'd get in my car, and it's like a 20-minute drive to Worthing. I'd put on my worship music, and I would thank God. for for my job, I would say, thank you God for getting me this job. Thank you God that you answered my prayer and got me this job at the hospital. Thank you God that I passed my degree. Thank you God that I'm doing what you designed me to do. You opened the doors into midwifery for me. Thank you God that you put me on the path. Thank you God that you've given me everything I need to get through today. And the whole 20 minute journey, I would just say thank you, thank you, thank you of everything I could think about. Otherwise I would just be um, consumed By fear and worry, and uh, that's what's really what that's what we really. When we when we say thank you to God, we change our perspective. It's like adjusting the sail on a on a boat. If you're if you've got your sails up and you're sailing. Um, I'm not a sailor, um, but my dad is. So I'll kind of, maybe I'll make him proud. When you uh, when you've got your you can have your sail up all you want, but if your sail isn't pointing in the right direction, you're not going to go anywhere. So you need to adjust your sail. So you're still in exactly the same situation. Nothing's actually changed, but but you adjusting yourself, adjusting your position changes absolutely everything. Isn't that true? Yeah. So not by so not by saying thanks. Is necessarily anything's going to change maybe it will maybe it won't but by saying thanks you adjust your position and maybe you haven't got anything to say thanks for in that circumstance i'm, I'm not asking you to thank for things that are that are bad but what we can do is give thanks for who god is if we can't find any good in that situation, we can give thanks for who God is. Because what that changes is that changes our posture. That changes our position. That changes what we're looking at. And when we're looking at something bigger, when we're looking at something better, when we're looking at something greater, that, that belittles our worry. So when we're thinking about giving thanks, we need to keep our focus on God. Because when we focus on God, we diminish the illusion that we're in control When we focus on God, we release the outcomes of a situation to him. And we can say, God, I don't know what the outcome's going to be. I don't know whether this person's going to get better or going to die. But either way, God, you are bigger. Either way, God, you are the creator. Either way, God. And when I have my focus on God and seeing how big God is, everything else kind of not falls into insignificance because it is significant, but just falls into perspective. So that leads on to thinking of good. When we think of good, um, we, um, we cause... When we're thinking of good, we can, we can think of things to be thankful for. When we think of good, we can control our worries. And when we think of good... Um, I love this translation from the um, this is from the passion translation it says so keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real honorable and admirable beautiful and respectful pure and holy merciful and kind and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God praising him always follow the example of all that I have imparted to you and the to you, and the God of peace will be with you in all things. I just, that's the Passion Translation. I absolutely love that. I could just read that again and again and again. When you read that, there you just think, God is so good. There is so much to be thankful for. There is so much I can fill my mind with. An ancient philosopher, um, I think it's pronounced Horace, maybe. I'll just say Horace with confidence. Um, One of his uh, teachings was rule your mind or your mind will rule you. Um, I don't know if any of you are like me, but if I had... um Oh, I'll give you a recent example. Um, I have got a new pair of dungarees, and I really like these dungarees. Um, and so I wear them. I've had lots of compliments. Even one of my friends has gone out and bought the matching, uh, exactly the same pair of dungarees because she really liked my dungarees. But then somebody complimented me on my pregnancy, which I'm not, which <laughs> was like, um, okay, not pregnant. So I haven't worn my dungarees again since then. So even though, even though I had more than 10 times the amount of compliments for my dungarees, one bad thing, and that's all I could think of. Every time I wore them, I was like, do I look pregnant? Will everyone think I'm pregnant? Does this just show my belly? That's all I could think of. And that's what we're, maybe you're not like me, maybe you're you're absolutely fine. But whenever we just tend to like hone in on negativity you go on TripAdvisor, you're planning your trip, there's like a thousand reviews, 998 of them are absolutely fine. Who clicks on the two negative ones just to see what they're uh, what they, what they're about? Oh, can't go there because the fridge isn't, uh, I don't know, that good. I don't know. You know, you just think, what? How could it get any more positive? But there's just something about us that just hones in on negativity. We need to control our thoughts, control our minds, control our thinking, or they will control they will control us. Um, Richard Foster is an American um, psychologist and he said the decision to set the mind on higher things in life is an act of the will. That is why celebration is a discipline. It's not something that falls onto our heads. It's a result of consistently a consistently chosen way of thinking. And living, we are the ones that are in control. We are the ones that make the daily decisions. It's only our mind. It's only it's and it's our life. We are the ones that need to choose and um, to think on good, to choose to be thankful, to choose to be joyful. Now, talking about like this whole verse, this whole verse is when I read it, I just think it's so lovely, it's so nice, it's so good. I think everything about it, you could easily look at it and think, oh, that's, that's all nice, that's all wonderful, isn't that great? But actually, if we look at the author, if we remind ourselves what Paul, where Paul is, Paul is locked in prison. Paul has people who are wanting to kill him. His enemies actually want to kill him, um, and they do end up killing him. Um, Paul is, um, his, his daily needs are probably not being met he's not in any kind of any kind of shape or form in any kind of luxury he's he's probably in pain. He's probably uncomfortable. His enemies are plotting against them, against him. And not only that, his friends and the people who are kind of, that he's trying to support, constantly just keep messing up, constantly just keep fighting with each other or other stupid things. He's constantly writing these letters to try and encourage and correct and, um, and make amends with everybody. It's just, it must be such a drain. And he's written this most beautiful letter from that place. When you think about that like my life looks nothing like what Paul's life was like at that time you know I'm sitting from a place where I have a job I have a family I have a home I have food I have clothes so absolutely if Paul can write that letter from that place then I can then I can think about good things I can say thank you I can be joyful and it's not about being fake because Paul doesn't pretend everything's fine. He doesn't pretend. He doesn't thank God um, for for the for the pain and the suffering and the chains. And the, he he recognizes that that's where he's at. But he also his eyes are on something big, bigger. His eyes are on something greater. And that's why he can say those things in the place where he's the lowest of the low. Um. So it's not about being it's not about being fake. It's not about putting on a fo- a a, voice, a false pretense. It's about being real, but it's also about having perspective. Um, When when you um, look at your brain, your brain is like um, an iceberg. So you know how icebergs, like only 10% of them sit above the surface and 90% is below the surface. Well, our brains are the same. Only 10% of our thoughts are conscious thoughts and the rest of the 90% of our thoughts are subconscious thoughts. And subconscious thoughts are, are thoughts that are deep-rooted, that are formed over um, years of habit or years of kind of absorbing different bits of information, different things that have been spoken over us, different things that we've um, spoken out. And our, and our subconscious thoughts, in times of reaction, they're the ones that come out first. They're the ones that come quickest. So often, if we feel fear about something... So, for me, I'm ashamed to say that I'm really scared of spiders. Um, and if I kind of, even out the corner of my eye, see a spider... My body has reacted to that before I've even had a conscious thought that, oh, I think there's a spider there. My sub- subconscious, my deep subconscious has thought, I'm scared of that and has, has, and has produced a physical response in my body. So I'm already, I'm sweating. I'm already feeling on edge. I'm already feeling a bit jittery before I've even thought, what, hang on a minute. Oh yeah, it's a spider. I'm scared. Does that make sense? So your subconscious thoughts are the ones that come, come out quickest, come out, come out first. So what we want to do is we want to um, get into our subconscious. I want my subconscious. Becca spoke a few weeks ago about um, having your cup knocked and whatever's in your cup spills out. Um, So I want that when I am knocked, my first response is joyful. When I'm knocked, I want my first response to be to give thanks to God. When I'm knocked, I want my first response to be thinking of all the good things that God has done. Yeah, I can do that in, in retrospect and think, oh no, hang on a minute. I f- I'm feeling fearful, but I'm going to choose joy. I want, but I want it to be my first response. Um, Dr. Caroline Leaf is a cognitive neuroscience s- neuroscientist, and she and her she's devoted her career to um, um, lo- looking at scriptures and science and how they are all completely interwoven. And she's done massive studies um, on the brain, and she was saying, she says in her work. That when we um, say we're going to do something, but then we don't do it, that's called cognitive dissonance. I think I've pronounced that right. So for example, if I'm saying, I'm trusting God in this, I'm trusting God in this, but actually internally, I'm worrying, I'm fretting, I'm doing the exact opposite of trust then that causes cognitive dissonance in my brain and that actually releases toxic chemicals in my body. And she even says it causes damage to the brain. When we are portraying one thing but internally are doing another thing, we're damaging ourselves. Um, So it's not about Um, pretending that everything's fine. It's not about saying, oh, thank you, God, for this. Thank you, God, for that. But internally, we're feeling in turmoil. That's not doing us any good. That's doing us damage. So what we need to do is we need to um, work on our subconscious. And the way that we work on our subconscious is we need to be disciplined with our joy. We need to be habitual with our thanks. And we need to be kind of... um, we need to structure our thoughts and structure our minds to focus on what is good. Now, that all sounds really, really boring and hard work compared to the beautiful um, verse that I read at the, at the beginning. But actually, I, this challenge is, is, is obviously completely, uh, for me, absolutely, as well as challenging you. I don't want to get to Tuesday and I've forgotten what we spoke about today because if I'm completely honest that's often what happens on a Sunday I'll feel really challenged and I'll think yeah that was great I'll walk out the doors I'll have a lovely I'll have a lovely day and by the time it gets to Tuesday I'll think what did we speak on I can't even remember the subject never mind any of the points and 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 I don't want that to be from from now on from Today, I want to put kind of a stake in the ground and say, No, when you knock me, I am going to flip it. What, has got, what is going to come out of me is Philippians 4. So, what I want to do now is I really just want to kind of spend some time with us thinking about what we can do, what plans, what structures, what disciplines we can put in place right now, beginning tonight, starting Monday morning, that we are going to make sure that we are, we are going to be changed. So I was thinking about some of the things that everyone here has got a different story. Everyone here has got different um, habits and things in place. But some of the things that I found really helpful over the last years, last few months, last few weeks, um, is really, really valuing the Sabbath. When I was younger, the Sabbath was something that was um, a day that was in our house. It was always on a Sunday. um, And the day that was in our house that we weren't allowed to do things. That's what the Sabbath kind of represents to me. So we weren't allowed to do homework on Sundays. We weren't allowed to go shopping. We weren't allowed to um I'm trying to think of anything else. There, uh, yeah. Kind of they were the days we weren't allowed to do things. But actually the Sabbath should be a day of of beauty. The Sabbath should be a day of rest and refilling and restoring um beauty. So whatever you find beautiful, I find being with friends, eating good food, and being in yeah, good company, being in nature, all of that I find really, really restful. So that's what I do on, my, on the Sabbath. I make sure that I refuel and recharge with resting on the Sabbath. Um, I keep a, a, not always, but I go through seasons of keeping prayer diaries. And in my prayer diaries, every now and again, I flick back through and highlight all the prayers that have been answered. And then what I can do is flick through and just look at all the colour all the colour in my diaries, and just think, thank you, God. God, you know what? I forgot. I forgot that I even asked for that. I forgot that I was even feeling that. I forgot that I was even in this place. But look at this. Pl- look at this book. It's like a rainbow. So many answered prayers. Um, yeah. Th- one of the other things I do is I um I have a friend, um a really really good friend. And at the beginning of the year, Joe was talking about the twelve stones marking, um uh I think was it what the Israelites had um. Um, walked or, or remember. And so what we've done, we've decided every month we're going to we stone. What we do is we, we ring each other, we talk for ages and talk about what God's challenging challenges us about that month, that month, what God's done since the last month and what we're looking forward to and, and asking God for in the following months. So we do that at the beginning of every month. We we ring each other to stone and that has been so, um, so helpful and, and so good. The other thing I've just started doing recently is... Um, uh, God's really challenged me on my phone. I'm like, a, I, I'm ashamed to say that I am addicted to my phone. I can't believe how many times a day I look at my phone. It's ridiculous. Um, but when I was on holiday recently, I put my phone away for two, two days and two nights. I didn't look at it at all, didn't, didn't look at it. And the, the more time I spent away from it, the more time... That I felt free from it. Like I didn't feel the need to look at it. I didn't feel the need to catch up on Instagram. I'd feel the need to check my emails. And um, we need to put our, put my phone away. So do you need to have some kind of structure where you turn your phone off at a certain time and it doesn't get turned back on till the next morning? Do you need some kind of structure when it comes to Facebook or Instagram or, or checking your work emails? I know someone who checks their work emails in the night. Do you What do we need to do to turn off from the world and do what Romans 12 says and just renew our mind? Just switch off from everything that's going on um, in the world and just switch on to God. Do you need to stop watching the news? Is the news filling you with anxiety? Is the news filling you with worry? Do you need to turn off the news and just spend that time reading? Everybody here is going to have something different, but what do you need to do Um to be able to choose joy, to be able to fix your mind on what is good, and to be able to give thanks. I want the um, the band to come back up. But what I'd really love is just as they just play for the for the whole of the first song. I just want us to just sit and just to say to God, God, what what in me, what is being a, a what is being a barrier, what is being a hurdle, what is being. Um, yeah, what's being being difficult, what's stopping me, what's preventing me, and just ask God to just bring something to the surface. And that thing that first comes to the surface, grab hold of that with two hands and just think, right, what am I going to do about it? Even if it's just an experiment, even if it's just a trial, what am I going to do to put some discipline, some structure um, in place? And then what would be really good is to say out loud what you're going to do and and share it with somebody. If you if you haven't got anybody with you, then um, feel free to share it with a stranger, but share it with somebody who you can be accountable with. Say to them, do you know what? I've decided every night between eight in the evening and eight in the morning, I'm going to turn off my phone. Um, every every um, Sunday, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a whole 24 hours where I don't have any Um, I don't know, any media or or whatever. Whatever you you need to do, whatever you want to do, we're just going to spend some time and just listen to what God's saying. Listen to what God's bringing to the surface. Set yourself a discipline or a challenge and then we're going to um, speak that challenge out loud to someone and be held accountable um, for that.